I think in the next couple of hours, we'll see that actually open up a bit before the clouds start to return a bit. That's the high cloudiness we're being sprayed uh, up from the north. Uh, there's uh, more upstream, though, for us later on this afternoon into this evening. That uh, we've been dealing a lot with some military activity in terms of mm -hmm. chaff anyway, and that's something that I experienced for the first time yesterday. That was a whole lot of fun. And that's where the military just basically dumps uh, some of the, the, the tiny particles of plastic or um, metal, mylar, into the atmosphere. And when you see this kind of a pattern like this, you can rest assured there's something going on. They're actually little bitty magnetic and little bitty strips of whether it's aluminum. Then you see these bands of very distinct cloud cover moving into the region. That is not rain, that is not snow. Believe it or not, military aircraft flying through the region is dropping chaff. Small bits of aluminum, sometimes it's made of plastic or uh, even uh, metallicized, uh, metallicized paper products. But it's used as an anti-radar issue and obviously they're up there practicing. Now they won't confirm that, but I was in the Marine Corps for many years and I'll tell you right now, that's what it is. The ongoing global climate engineering operations must be considered a new Manhattan project on a scale that is almost inconceivable. Governments all over the globe are either actively or passively participating in the ongoing climate engineering insanity, all for their own reasons, all in the attempt to keep business as usual until the last possible moment. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barco with co-host teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, right-wing teacher Jessica, and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.web.com. Uh, you can find that link to our blog in the episode notes. Uh, you can find um, as well our uh, personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZPKE on Instagram and Jess's Twitter handle as jhomie89. And homies with an L. I just, that's my mistake last time I was looking for. Okay. It's a pun, not a very good one though. Yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on notifications, <clears throat> and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. Right, so we will be doing part two of geoengineering. Chemtrails. Right, Andy? Part two. But this will be... <laughs> We call this them game trails because it, it irritates people. They left their episode up, though. You two they did. They did. And they added a little, uh, a little, uh, what was it, advert or something, or a little yeah. warning, something on the episode for people to look up con trails. Con, or con, it should be a con. Oh. <laughs> uh, right. So we're doing part two. We will be doing a review of. Uh, a video um, that was post that been posted online. I saw that it was posted a while back on geoengineering. Well, that's how it's called, geoengineeringwatch.org. The folks there have been doing tremendous investigative work. I I didn't realize how extensive it was, and so we'll be doing a review of it. We'll be having part two discussion of this, and uh, and I will invite folks to look at it, and we'll put the link on the episode notes. Uh, wherever you found this episode, uh, for folks to look at it, it's free. Yeah, and the movie is. I, called... I didn't realize until I went and watched it. I used to be subscribed to Geoengineering Watch's like weekly newsletter, and I didn't realize <laughs> it was them that put this out until I was like halfway through the doc, and I was like, oh, them. <laughs> and and the title of it is called the dimming. 
which is, it's a doc, it's a right. two hour documentary. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's put together by Dane Wigington. I mean, he was a major player behind it. Um, and I saw an interview with him. That's what, one of the reasons I wanted to show it was because I got very curious about it after I heard this interview of him in preparation for our discussion about chemtrails last week. And the film was 2021. Did I have that right? I was trying to see yeah. like this when it came out. Fairly, fairly recently. Okay. Like all, it's all coming out during all the COVID madness, which is interesting. So how, how do we do this? So how about we give our general, no, uh, before we do, right here. Uh, so we've been, so this, as I said, is part two. And uh, we check our comments from time to time, some of the responses to any of the posts, anything we post on our blog or on YouTube or on BitChute or obviously where you should really be going to rumble. But uh, we've had a, few <laughs> well, there weren't many, but it was We'll make a comment to what was uh, their response to our episode, Andy. I, I guess what I would say is this: we've had we've had a lot of things like that are, I guess, controversial. I mean, the Big Bang not happening, and that woman, the interview we did of the anti-vax, and all the things criticisms we made of the vaccines, and um, but honestly, this is the first time I feel like some of our left audience left us, <laughs> you know, one person basically said, I'm unsubscribing, you know, now you're talking about chemtrails. Now you're talking about your anti-vax. Now you're talking about chemtrails. Peace out. You know, um, I'm not sure if that person did. I, I know Eduardo, you said, <laughs> well, I don't think that later. person was ever subscribed personally. All right. Well, I, I think I do. Cause I think I saw their name before, but anyway, um, maybe know whether not to subscribe, but I think I've seen them comment on our stuff before. I think, okay. um, but, uh, but I, and another person who was like, what are you guys doing? You've, you know, who was very critical of us taking up this issue. And it's like you had pointed out, I personally don't think those people necessarily listened to the episode before they did it. And I, and I was very intentional in naming this thing chemtrails because I, I wanted to see how people were going to respond. And it was that thing, like, what are you talking about chemtrails? That's a right wing thing. That's Alex Jones. Um, but, um. But it is interesting. I, I I don't know what to make of the fact that this is an area that the left really just gets hung up on because there's so much evidence that the government has and is continuing to do all sorts of uh, weather. Well, just putting shit in the sky that's not related to just industrial pollution, intentional stuff um, to do all sorts of things. And uh, it's just interesting. I, I don't know what exactly to make of a left that struggles with it so much. It it also reminds me of something where, you know, he's talked about a person like Alex Jones as being, you know, kind of a psyop where a person placed in, in a position to say things that are actually true, but to be kind of a ridiculous clown. So you so you would discredit the actual truth. Um, and um, I've heard that from people. I've heard that from people who I. And that's interesting to me because that's actually how it's operating here. It's like people who are saying, no way this is true because of Alex Jones, yet you can look up in the sky, you can look at the record, you can look what the government has admitted, and it just doesn't come in even. And, and it's, it's really interesting. So I, that, that's what I found fascinating in some ways. The left and some of the associations that were made here, 
I am curious what you all would say before we do get into the, the dimming about, about that. And I would want all those people to stay subscribed. I personally would hope they stay subscribed just to kind of stay in the game because the whole point is to not be in an echo chamber. Yeah, I, I am actually not surprised uh, to that reaction. I expected more of that um, just based on my experience with the vaccine and, you know, questioning other narratives, um, mainly because, like, I've seen, like, a programming of an emotional programming, you know, to anything that makes you just uncomfortable, you reject it, you shut down, and mostly on the left, you know, and that's the stuff that scared me because, like you said, that leaves you in an echo cham chamber, and like, and 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 so that scenario that you're describing plays that very well, right? When there is this person that just sounds crazy, you know, because they don't agree with you, and, and then no one listens to anybody. And you know, we we've stated here that you know actually, you know, we kind of have more in common with the people who question, you know things and don't accept them at face value. And sadly, I think by now we know that the left by and large takes things at, at face value, right? There is different, you know, in, in face value from the experts, quote unquote. And so I'm not surprised, you know, like I actually expected more of a reaction and, and I don't know what kind of uh, following we have in terms of like the, if we were to label them, you know, left, right, whatever, I would hope it actually is a mix, but, um, you know, at least on that episode, I stated that I thought it was going to be controversial. And, and, and I think it's actually, um, it potentially sets us back as in our credibility to, to some people. And, and it, you know, and it's playing out with this comment, right? This person who threatened to leave. And so, but at the same time, it's, you know, that's what's going to happen, you know, and we, we just have to speak our mind. And that's the point of this I think for the, the, what the reason I come here, you know, I come here to speak my mind. I personally don't like to read the comments a lot of times because I think sometimes they're necessarily nasty, you know, all we're trying to do is ask questions, give our opinions. We're not always right, <laughs> you know, and, and, but learn through that process, you know, and, and discover how our ideas are, are changed. And sadly, that's not the case on the left. You know, I, that's why I've completely removed myself in the city in part politically, because there is no space, political space for me. It's just a desert. You know, uh, there is not a fertile ground. You know, it's like aluminum was thrown on the ground of San Francisco. It's like there is none. You know, it's just whatever the experts say. And let's follow that, you know, drumbeat, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, vaccines or whether it's war, whether it's elections. There is just no conversation, period. Yeah, and I think it was real. I know sometimes it's just like a troll comment or whatever, but I thought like that one comment that said like the left, like leftists don't talk about chemtrails or vaccines. And I just thought it was so like perfect the way that they put that because it wasn't even like referencing any particular stance. It was literally just like, no, we don't talk about that at all. Like no conversation at all, <laughs> not even like debunking it. Um, yeah. And I think I had mentioned on the last episode that I, I do find it really perplexing and frustrating that like this to me seems like one of the most easily uh, understandable and like provable 
conspiracy theories, um, at least to a degree, because A, just look up in most areas of the United States, at least. And B, like, you know, we can go through all the patents. We can go through all the examples, you know, and we did a few of them in the last episode. So it's ridiculous that it's seen as like the most taboo, even among conspiracies. Um, And I've found that, I mean, every now and then I've done like a tweet or something related to chemtrails or related to geoengineering. And it's weird because a lot, I mean, I don't have like a big following or anything on Twitter, but whenever it's related to that subject, um, I get like a bunch of replies and they're always like, you know, oh, you like science denier, you're crazy. They're just contrails. Like these people, I don't know if they're just like bots or, or real people or what there's, I think there's something in some of these algorithms where it, it triggers it. I mean, that's the case with anything, but it seems to be extra taboo. Um, and yeah. And then on the Alex Jones thing, I, like I, I completely agree with that stance. Like I think the best, um, for me, the example that always sticks with me is the gay frogs thing, which is like one of his most well-known, you know, kind of diatribes back in the day. Um, and it was so the way that he, you know, he's just such a caricature, right. And like a performer and some people find it hilarious. And then some people just find it super off-putting and use it as a reason to dismiss, but that, you know, that was based on actually like leftist scientists actually it was atrazine right um which is a herbicide and it actually was it was proven that it was being sprayed over the ecosystems and one of the effects and they fucking studied it you know peer-reviewed shit um that it was lowering the testosterone and increasing the estrogen and it was turning uh part like parts of the body among frogs into like basically hermaphrodites and so just you know it's the same deal with so many different issues especially when it comes like environmental which you know it's supposed to be a leftist position to be like pro protecting the ecosystem but now it's the opposite um especially when we get into like the climate change stuff like the left is they're the champions supposedly of like fighting climate change um and i'm sure we'll get into that with some of the documentary stuff so yeah, I'll just leave it there for now. Well, I I think it's good that we actually are talking about it because it it, it gives me maybe it's because I again feel just somewhat I don't know I feel like we're gonna get attacked by people and you know just our reputation. But it's good that we're talking about this beyond her, whoever's comments about the left and stuff. We are so naive to think that we can just trust our government you know in mexico where i'm from people are laugh i've said this in other episodes people laugh if you say you want to be a politician to be a it's like being a clown like really it's known that you're going to be a corrupt person or if you're going to be a lawyer it's like oh yeah you're going to be corrupt that's immediately what people think so the idea it's always in people's minds that there's always things that the government are doing that's nefarious that's tricky that's deciding to do something against its own people. There's nothing no one does out of their own service of goodwill in the government because of so many things that have happened. So for any for, for any lefty or anybody really to think that we cannot explore these areas, 
I mean, look at what 60 Minutes, a very uh, conventional, uh, you know, mainstream source has just recently, I remember talking about this with Andy about a year ago, where Navy pilots were interviewed about describing encounters with UFOs, unidentified objects. And then there was a panel in Congress. First time that we, I don't know if it's first time, maybe I don't know, but uh, it was heavily looked at last year. And I remember telling Andy, we should do something around this. And is it only because, I wonder if it's only because I found that maybe people were leg legitimizing this in public and then everyone suddenly who were thought to be crazy who had discussed this before suddenly are being introduced back in kpfa back in other mainstream sources where they're discussing this suddenly it's all right to talk about ufos but everybody else was crazy for a long time and what about the jfk assassinations that recently recently um the biden administration is being sued alongside with the national archives of the USA, because there are there are like what was it? I have it here. Uh, there are sixteen thousand assassination files, JFK assassination files that are being withheld, and that are being held by the National Archives and by the administration. Why are they being withheld? Lots of things are being withheld. Why can't we just be transparent? So should we not be questioning these things? So I invite anyone who is listening, who is viewing this that questions all are all right. I myself out of this group have been reluctant to explore those, those questions. Maybe I'm trying to save face, maybe I'm trying to save my reputation, maybe I don't want to be seen as a kook, whatever. These are the things that I confront and everybody else should confront. And I invite anyone to look into it further. I didn't like that we had to explore the whole green uh, economy and the green of like, um, what was it that, that we watched the film? Green, the, yeah, the planet. planet green energy. Planet. You know, the, the planet of the humans. Right. But, you know, looking into it further gives us more, um, you know, makes us confront things that we might not be comfortable with and makes us question. And we might not be a part of the majority, but then the majority is also like sheep. They're not really listening. They're not really investigating stuff. They're not looking into things themselves. Suddenly, for example, with, with COVID, COVID, everybody is suddenly on board with what, we were saying before, right? People are saying COVID jail. Now, I just hugged someone who was a who was a who is a pro vaxxer and pro lockdowns and without a mask and hugged her over the week and uh, teacher in SFUSD and she said COVID jail and I thought I almost I, I didn't take the opportunity at that moment but I almost wanted to say wait didn't you say stuff like that would be <laughs> would be anti-vaxxed a year ago, two years ago, or no, a year ago. But I didn't say anything uh, when I saw her in the mission community. Anyhow. And I guess for me, um, I feel like a lot of these reactions from the left, at least just from my bubble, <laughs> uh, they come from, you know, a in our in, uh, intellectual elitist arrogance you know that impedes you know uh, uh, the, uh, allowing other ideas to come in you know because you know I, I almost want to invite you know some of the people who are very immediate at judging you know I, I want to invite them to talk to people in Mexico I just came back a few weeks ago 
I talked to an elder woman, 85, had nine kids, never vaccinated her kids or herself, you know, and she's fine, you know, things like that. Or, or, or another elder in that, you know, that lived in that area of Mexico, and he told me stories literally of how the government sprayed some shit in the region that killed a bunch of the ecosystem to kill the supposedly rats, but it killed the whole ecosystem, you know, and he called them stupid. I don't know what the hell, what, what these stupid people have in their head. So I, I, I wouldn't think that's why I advocate so much or I fight so much against this intellectual arrogance. You know that I think we can all fall into. You know, <laughs> it, 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 but but there is other ways of seeing the world, experiencing the world, um, that are also evidence as to the things that are happening. And you know, and in fact, the people that we often trust themselves, uh, they're confused or, or beholden to the, the the structures that they're part of. You know. Um, and, and and so for me, that's that's my approach. You know, yes, I will listen to the scientific arguments, but I, I also listen to the stories of my uncle who was sprayed with you know pesticides and died of cancer. You know, in in the banana plantations that I mentioned last time. You know, I ask about these stories. You know, of people that are alive and experience things themselves, and not just you know through data and all this stuff. And, and and these people again are dismissed so quickly and, and easily, you know, as conspirational, as backwards people, as uneducated, you know. Uh, and so we should leave uh, the facts to the so-called experts that work for the powers that be. And um, because we're not going to get a chance to mention this, and since Eduardo, you opened the door to conspiracies, <laughs> and I know we got to get to the dimming which is definitely in my period, my opinion, there can be things you might disagree with, but that's not a conspiracy. I mean, um, the Seth Rich, um, his computer is, uh, the FBI is, is in possession of images from his computer. And Seth Rich was a person who was murdered mysteriously um, uh, at a time when the Democratic National Convention was being exposed for uh, fraud in the 2016 election. Um, and so there's a lot of folks, or not a lot, but there are people who thought that there's a Clinton body count, like the, the Hillary and Bill Clinton have killed lots of people and that he is one of the victims of the Clinton body count. Um, and uh, what it was said this, just this week is the FBI was, there was FOIA stuff put forward to the FBI who had retained images and disks from his computer, but they said, well, we'll give it up but we are recommending or requesting that we give it up over a period that will take 66 years for that stuff to come out. So like, what do you say about that? Like, again, are they just trying to throw red meat at us to kind of, but I think there's all sorts of layers of nastiness that we don't know about uh, that conspiracy theorists talk about that by and large at this point, I'm going to call them true until proven otherwise. That's pretty radical. <laughs> oh, this is this should go offline, but Kenny, when you said you didn't um do you think that the people who are writing to us are kind of toxic or just anywhere on YouTube? In general, the uh, not everyone, you know, it's just that in it's it's very antagonizing, you know, and and it gives me anxiety. You know, I I've, I've gone through that before and I rather not whether it's good or not, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. 
you know, it's out there. Uh, I would rather talk to someone yeah. <laughs> in person than, than through comments yeah. because how can you transfer ideas through a comment? Yeah. You know, like properly. Should we get into the dimming? Yeah. All right. I wonder why, you know, just, well, people can find it, like I said, in the, it will link the, uh, the episode, in the episode notes, the dimming exposing the global climate engineering cover up. They didn't um, add the, um, the or some warning thing context about contrails they said they instead did climate change so it seems that they're trying to <laughs> refute statements that were said because of uh climate like against climate i don't know what, what was the reason for that you're talking about on the youtube yeah you, people could we should link like the actual like you can find it on geoengineering watch as well, but the whole the full length film is on YouTube. So they put a climate change warning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, so uh, uh, I guess reactions to it. That's how we should start. Yeah. Well, I wanted to know, Andy, why did you pick this one? As I mean, there's multiple documentaries. I'm, I was just curious if there was a particular reason. No, just this is the first one I saw. I mean, so I heard that guy speak. And he did that video or mm -hmm. he did that documentary and I started to watch a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So that's, that's why I chose it. I, I'm very ignorant of this area. So I would, I, I didn't even know there were a bunch of other documentaries I could have chose from. Okay. I mean, I thought it was good. It was good. Pick, so. Well, I, I thought it was very persuasive. Um, you know, I, I do have some questions, um, you know, in terms of like, they, they do make, um, I do. I do think there is a an argument in the documentary about um, you know climate change and geoengineering, right? And how like um, at least one person argues that climate change. They're trying to hide the through geoengineering. At least that's my understanding of the the, the damages of climate change. Uh, but in, in doing so, they're creating other problems. Uh, at least that's how I understand. Like a uh, part of the argument was on the on on that. In um, I mean, I've had questions about the narrative of climate change or just narratives overall. So, um, but in terms of like their arguments as to the science behind it, it was very persuasive, and you know, it does uh, open, you know avenues for me to explore um because uh i think i would have to do more digging uh there are some stuff that i don't fully understand um but it is very um the logic fallacy and it actually <laughs> opens uh, a kind of worms for me because uh you know then i start thinking about the fires in oregon and california you know and, and and I don't know if we're discussing details yet, but um, I, I do find it interesting, persuasive, engaging, and and so I would definitely recommend it to people. Um, yeah, I, that means for me, some of the things, the highlights of seeing it, and I do want to get into some maybe some of the areas where I have either questions or maybe I didn't agree with the way things were put. And I do think that area that Kenny's talking about of them claiming that this is about climate change, I have some questions about that, but. We'll get to that later. Um, just for them to do all the research of showing like 
patents of planes that had these things on them going back from the 80s and then the 90s, 2000s, you know, like the, these things are actually like to show the patents of those to show the actual like it was interesting to see clips of meteorologists talking about like mainstream meteorologists saying, well, this is probably caused by some of the, the, the airplanes and some of the, the military stuff that's been put up here. You know, that was pretty amazing to see the people like. I can't remember the names of some of the scientists who are behind this crap, who are, who are the face of this thing, but to see them come out and be, pretty much openly admit we're like, we're doing this, we're putting these sulfates into the atmosphere. Oh yeah. Aluminum goes with it, but we didn't really look into what that aluminum does. We just think that the, what, what do they say? They say the, the level of the sulfates, it's not as bad as the regular pollution, you know, you know, and so that's the biggest thing they can say as they talk about, I, millions of tons of this stuff being put into the atmosphere. I don't know what the levels are, but that's large levels of acknowledged stuff that they're putting into the atmosphere um, to do geoengineering um, in relationship to, to global warming. Um, and then the other thing was just the connection that they made. I appreciate the connection they made to the military to like the the thing where they said this, this is like the Holy Grail weather control is like the holy grail for the military uh that'll be such a important force multiplier for being able to be effective and and to acknowledge that these are being done all over the world more likely in my opinion for those that very same reasons i think not i think it's competitive but it but it is being done all over the world um and i i appreciated the information about harp um and i have some questions about like not questions like doubts but like just things I don't understand about some of that stuff, but the idea that they're using these resonance phenomena with different molecules, I can talk more about that if you want me to, to actually change temperatures, to actually direct weather in particular, rate, to create, essentially to create cold fronts and warm fronts. That pretty, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. I mean, it, it, it could work. It should work actually. If, and they have satellites, just like what that fucking LBJ said. We got satellites that can look at this stuff. You know, we can see if it's working. Um, uh, it was it was pretty striking um, to see all that put in the same place. Uh, and I think anybody who, anyone on the left should look at it. And just to, for them to even name it, like aluminum oxide, barium and strontium, all that stuff is being talked about, not just by the critics of the geoengineering, but by the geoengineers. Um, as just necessary for doing this stuff, so it was it was very effective in that in that regard, and I thought it was pretty complete to give you a pretty good introductory introductory picture as to what is going on here. Oh, and last, there were so many elements of the way this is being done, like the level of conspiracy, the level of open conspiracy here, that reminds me of this whole COVID thing, like this open conspiracy of like that where all these lies are underneath this giant thing that's sweeping the globe. Um, and at the same time, I think just like in COVID, the actual reason they're doing it is not the reason they're really doing it. It's the cover story. And the real thing is to try to figure out why are they, what's really behind this. That's the part where I think maybe the movie misses the mark a little bit um, uh, in, in, in believing that this is about trying to deal with global warming. Just the, the harp thing. I heard that about 10 years ago. Some kids some kids in, in Nicaragua uh who spoke who speak English, uh they told me about it. And I was in the middle of my liberal drinking the liberal Kool-Aid. I completely dismissed it. And so when I heard that, I was like, what the yeah, it's coming back. And like 
I, I like you and I felt impressed by the level of openness that people in the mainstream would be saying things about just the modification of weather that was being experimented, the, the experiments that were being done on actually, I said it, the experiments that were done on um, experimentation on weather modification. There you go. And uh, so it seems to me like that all of this is just hitting under the rug, right? Like nothing of this is being mentioned, at least when I put just chemtrails on YouTube or Google, all you do is everything comes up as conspiracy, debunked, da, da, da. It, nothing like this. You can't, like it's so, you can't search for information as easily anymore. And this put together, this video did a very good job of placing history, right? Where it's a little bit, it is dragging to go through the whole thing. I will say that's my first reaction because I, I, I was trying to sit through it. It's two hours. So it did like, it was not as a documentary that is like, I realized how much, I don't know, this is also related to how I'm reading books that are modern and books that are old, like how different things are formatted, how things are presented and documentaries like these. And this was done what we did to 2020. I'm surprised, but whatever, it's fine. It's just, it'll take, it's slow and dragging, but it does put things into context very well. People who are professionals, people who have come out, people who, it, it gives you clips of people who have said things in the mainstream. It goes over the science about aluminum as well. It goes to a lot of it about the proteins and how the, the planes um, release this thing into the atmosphere. So that's my first thought. Some of the things that were blatantly said by scientists, such as like, it's gonna be, I'll find the clip, bear on our grandchildren. So if I made a decision or if there was a collective decision to do a geoengineering program and you put, say, um, the kind of program I think makes more sense to put about a million tons a year in, but let's say, you might end up killing many tens of thousands of people a year as the direct result of that decision. By the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. And it means there are going to be winners and losers just like there are winners and losers for CO2, but there are different winners and losers. So this makes the problem, if anything, harder to solve. You've introduced another dimension of complexity into the managing the planet's climate problem. I thought, oh my goodness. So the cost of this is going to be um, on our, is it, if it, cost of this is going to bear on our grandchildren, it's the future generations. There's no respect, there's no consideration for how the consequences of this would really, the detrimental consequences of this for the future. And so I appreciated that, the way that it was um, composed to these segments, to these parts. Uh, so much of experts and, and coming out were weaved in. So there is, I guess, that element for people who do care about what, like, what are the experts saying? I didn't hear a lot of people from, um, who have been experiment, who have, excuse me, who have experienced um, malign things on them or people who experience talk about this like uh just like regular citizens like talking about this I, I feel like it was so much that um was mostly centered on like the chemistry of this the science of this and the people who are the experts and coming out on this 
and government secret files or things that were have been hidden on the rug, which is great if you're going to try and convince people um, who care about that stuff. But it is sort of like high expectation or the pedestal onto other kind of documentaries or other ways of like even episodes that might not have all of those resources completely listed out. This is a project that's taken a lot of work. A lot of people had to go put this together. So I so I think that that is just um, not a critique. It's just my observation. I don't know if that matters to anybody else. Yeah, that's kind of interesting about like that they didn't really include people who had suffered like, I don't know, adverse reactions or whatever. But I do think it's kind of hard because with a lot of it, I mean, there are immediate effects for sure. I mean, I personally, I try not to like read into it or like put too much mental energy on it. But like when, when we have these days where it's a beautiful, bright, sunny day, they're spraying all over the skies. And then like later that day or the next morning, there'll be like this just muggy haze. And like, I notice like I can't breathe well and like you kind of feel like you can't think straight and I know placebo effect is real like I'm always sort of questioning like is this in my head because I'm like attuned to thinking about this stuff and like looking for it um so I don't know but I do think like a lot of the health hazards um at least the ones that have been you know demonstrated are like long-term autoimmune it's alzheimer's dementia right like it's these long-term things where you're you're not going to be able to be like oh here's this person and we can tie it straight back to chemtrails like it's going to be this just slow accumulation in combination with vaccines and personal care products and just all of the other shit that you know is poisoning us on the daily um and it's funny like the i mean i agree with you eduardo like i appreciate the framing of like you know, caring about future generations, right? And like the, the, they, like the time, like we're running out of time, but like that framework is exactly the same framework, right? That the sort of, you know, Greta Thunberg, like liberal climate change posse frames it as like, we don't have time. I mean, that's literally like the NGO, right? We don't have time. Um, So sometimes I do wonder, like, I don't know, like, is that type of like, fear mongering. I mean, it's, it's true. Like you can plainly see the ecosystems are dying. I mean, at least in terms of supporting human life and a lot of animal and plant life as well. Um, but I did, I like, I don't know. I got kind of triggered when they had that, that section at the end where they're like, yeah, like, you know, the clock is ticking. Um, even though I, I fundamentally agree. And I do think there's just a, a problem with our like short-term you know way of caring and like a lot of people in the climate change space like they say those things they say oh what about your children's children and like long term but then it's like when it comes down to it yeah they're willing to like use a canvas bag at trader joe's and like if they have enough money maybe they'll even like buy a tesla but are they actually fundamentally willing to change like big changes and then thinking about like systematic changes i don't really think the majority of them are um but yeah i mean i i liked i liked then i have questions too like kind of like you said andy about some of the more scientific sections not so much like 
that I'm super skeptical. Like a lot of it made sense to me, but I just have questions. Like I want to know more. I need it kind of explained to me in more detail and in layman's terms, because I don't, you know, I'm not like super well versed on nanoparticles and, you know, all of the the specific details, but I, I like, I appreciated like the opening framing as well, where they talked, they, you know, I think they said something like, uh, you know, like they, they, when you bring this stuff up, like they tell you that you're not seeing what you're seeing or something to that effect. And that, I mean, that to me reminded me of like the Orwell, um, what is it? Like the party, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. Um, and that that was like their sort of final blow or whatever. Um, and then like the question of like, well, if this is happening, like a lot of people will say like, well, if this is happening, like, wouldn't so many people like, what about the pilots? What about the, you know, veterans? What about like, shouldn't a lot of people know that this is happening and why aren't they speaking up? Like, why does it, why has it taken until 2021 for this one guy, you know, to make this document? I mean, there's a couple others, but this shit's been going on for a century plus. Um, and I thought it was interesting when they brought up Julian Assange, right. And that line about like, well, we know what happens to whistleblowers. So why would anybody bring this up? I mean, we can't even post a YouTube for a couple hundred people, you know, a video without getting just totally attacked. I mean, whatever. And that's not really attacked, but you know, so like, why would anybody put their life on the line? I mean, literally, right. To expose this stuff. And then I do think, especially now with a lot of the military technologies, like, you know, I think we talked about briefly last time, like remote controlled aircraft, stuff like that. Like it, a lot of it is, could be very covert and it could, it could still, you know, they could still be pulling it off. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to just, this is not a clip, but I just on the patent thing, cause that was one of the things that stood out to me as well. Um, and I think it's just totally undeniable but on geoengineering, um, I mean, they kind of go over some of them in the in the um, documentary, but they have on geoengineering watch this linked list of all the patents starting in 1891, everything weather control related. And it's just unbelievable to go through some of these. Um, I just don't I don't know. I mean, and these are like primary documents that are linked. Wow. I don't understand how somebody could look at this and be like, oh, it's just complete poppycock. Look at this. It's only to 1970. Like, <laughs> this is insane. Like, it just keeps going and going and going, like, all the way down. Well, um, those, were just, those were just patents. They never they never used them. No, I know, but I mean... I'm kidding. Like, You're yeah. making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. It's just... Yeah. So that definitely <laughs> stuck with me. That's great. That was good. I like that. Do they ever talk about where the resources come for, you know, the, the research or, um, well, I mean, compiling that list would take a lot of work. But I think a lot of that stuff is out in the open. That's the thing. It's, it's like, I mean, you just have to know if you're going to look for it. I mean, at this point, I think like Eduardo's pointing out, you can't, you can't use the the corporate search engine because it's going to stop you. But you know, 
I think they probably had maybe even easier time back then. I'm not sure, but uh, I was just struck by how much it was just mainstream stuff, you know? Um, and for me, the, the question of whistleblowers wasn't just a question of people like Julian Assange who were going to take a stand, but I think of two layers of people who, are, who, who would do this and would not fight this whatsoever. Number one, there are people who are, if they, if they, if they get people to be convinced about climate change, then you can convince people like, look, we're saving the planet. Bill Gates was basically saying, look, uh, geoengineering isn't going to stop climate change, but maybe you can give us a little more time. Maybe you can turn that AOC, we're going to be gone in 12 years into 24 years, you know? Um, uh, and so he says that. So the people who fly those planes and th push that stuff out there, I'll be like, they're doing God's work in their mind because they're trying to save the planet, give us a little bit more time. And then I think there's the people who who don't give a shit about climate change one way or the other and who know that this is basically about warfare and about f trying to figure out how you're going to fight the Chinese or trying to figure out how you're going to fight the Russians because you know they're doing it. So those people aren't going to give a shit. They're going to put anything they need to do to get, get that shit out there because, like, you know, my country right or wrong, they're, they're you know, rolling for U.S., just like somebody's rolling for China. and so th both those sets of people aren't going to say shit about this. In fact, they're going to proudly hide it or expose it in, in, or probably talk about it as like, yeah, I'm doing God's work uh, one way or the other. Um, and if they have to do it secretly because this, there are people who don't understand, they'll do that. So I actually think the bigger problem is that narrative around global warming um, because I actually feel like it is not, I don't think it's anything to do with global warming. I think it, it is. It's about population control and warfare. Can we watch the like minute or two clip? I think I have it here where they talk about the, I forget the technical name for it, but like trapping heat in the ocean. And that that is like, even though their story is that they're doing all this geoengineering in order to like help lower the temperature, that it's actually potentially contributing to this temperature rise. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull um, it on. Go ahead, Eduardo. While I'm if you, yeah, well, I was going to mention, uh, Andy, you know, you said it's mostly about population control or warfare. Uh, I'd like for you to expand the population control, but I do think it's about warfare because I, if even in the very beginning, there was the vice president had said that Iran's drought was part of a software by the West that said that Europe was stealing Iran's reign and that there were countries plotting to cause drought by Iran, in Iran by using high-tech equipment to drain the clouds of raindrops. This is the vice president of Iran, right? Like, I mean, and that I didn't even know that this was happening, but this is in 2012. I, I remember that. I just remember people were basically, oh, that's ridiculous. And I might have been one of them. Mm. Hmm. I mean, honestly, like for me, there is also that built-in racism that is built, you know, like uh, someone at any point, just like the with the vaccines, right? They're just dirty Chinese. And so, of course, these people are crazy. They're fucking Middle Easterns or whatever. Okay, so this is a section, one of the sections where they're talking about climate change. 
Baseballs showing up on the shores of Lake Michigan, covering beaches, often 75 pounds or more, occurring at times on water that is 40 degrees plus Fahrenheit. How does that happen from chemical ice nucleation? This is nothing short of winter weather warfare, complete with destructive ice accumulations from the chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding and dangerously slick snow-like frozen material that contains surfactants. They're used in climate engineering chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations in order to reduce particle coagulation, i.e. to keep the climate engineering elements from sticking together and forming larger particulates that would sink faster to the planet, which would not be conductive to the winter weather warfare scenario. The cryosphere, Earth's ice deposits, are melting at a pace that is unprecedented in the geologic past. The true magnitude of the planetary meltdown has been masked by statistical falsification. The climate engineers have attempted to hide this fact from populations. In order to mask the true severity of polar meltdown from populations, the climate engineers have utilized methods of sea surface ice nucleation. The effect of these operations can easily be distinguished on satellite images. The paradox with sea surface ice nucleation is this. The climate engineers are actually putting a lid or a cap on oceans that are already too warm for natural ice nucleation to occur. In doing so, the climate engineers are, in effect, sealing the heat in the oceans, thus increasing the overall heating of the planet. So I don't know. What what did you guys think of this? Because I, I just, it gets confusing with like, you know, all of these narratives and then what's actually happening and what what are the factors that are contributing to it? And then the narratives that sort of like, not just from a language standpoint or like a media standpoint, but like actually what they're doing then potentially feeding back into other narratives which aren't even really like they're they're still surface level, but then you you've actually got you know chemical whatever reactions. I don't know. Am I making sense? Well, this gets back to and I did Kenny during this episode. Did you mention the the snowfall? Like we were talking about snowfall. I guess it was before the episode. We were talking about snow in Oregon and what were the nature of the snow because we know that snow that's made in na- unnatural ways tends to be clumpier, um, and we know that it 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 forms snow balls and snow crystals at higher temperatures, not at what 32 degrees freezing. Now that 32 degrees freezing, it's at a particular pressure. So the temperature which something freezes is related to pressure as well. But let's put that aside. In normal, so what he's saying is with those big ice balls is, wait, this is 40 degree water water in which ice balls are showing up. So he's saying that's evidence of chemical manipulation that's causing the same effect that in the atmosphere, in the water, that it did in the atmosphere, um, which is causing something to prematurely or form ice, form a solid at a temperature higher than it normally would 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 form by this ice nucleation process. That's number one. And number two, I think what he, if you're talking about the ceiling, is he saying that, okay, we're, if... (laughs) And I understand what you're saying is like, okay, they're dealing with the the loss of ice. So the way we're going to deal with the loss of ice is create more ice. We're going to create more ice in warmer water, which means so that, oh, we'll get more ice. But it's okay. The water's getting warmer, but we can make ice nevertheless. And he's saying, but ice floats to the surface. So it's on the surface of the water. 
how does warmer water cool itself? It cools itself in relationship to the air. So now you have it sealed off by this layer of ice. So he's essentially saying you're actually sealing off the water with a solid surface so that it's, it, will, it will actually get warmer. So he said, what he's saying is they're trying to solve a problem, but they're making it worse by doing it. The, the only, I personally think the only way you can really make sense of it is to understand they're not trying to solve the problem. They're doing this stuff intentionally. And some of this stuff, I don't think they're, some of this stuff, they don't give a shit that it's happening. It just proves that they can do it and that they have other plans for making things snowfall or not snowfall or control that. So that's, I guess that's my explanation for that. Yeah. And to me, it's like, I, I mean, I don't know, but I, like we've seen the scale at which the ruling class can create a narrative and create public belief in something that is like potentially not even there at all. Right. Like virus hasn't been isolated, but even, you know, whatever. But with this, like, I don't, personally think their objective is like oh let's heat up the earth that to me is like if that is true and that's you know their depiction of it is scientifically accurate to me that seems more like collateral damage and it's like oh well that's convenient in the same way that like with a lot of the covid stuff like certain things are convenient because they then sort of you know lean in or like support these fake narratives but to me, that doesn't seem like the objective. Like, I don't think these planes are flying around, like, for the central purpose of heating up the earth. I mean, that's my, that's my opinion. I'm not stating that as fact, but. Yeah, but. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Auntie. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not understanding you. I don't. I think he is. He's what his criticism. If I understand his criticism, it's like. You idiots, you're you're literally making a problem worse by trying to, quote, solve the global warming issue. Number one, he, uh, Dane Whittington, is very much believing that global warming is going on, that it's anthropogenic, that it's man-made. So he's already bought into that narrative. And so he thinks they're fucking up that process, in fact, making it worse. I that That's where I would say he, he's kind of got it wrong. Like, that's not even the game they're playing. Like they're not even, that's, that's not, they're not doing anything that has to do with global warming. They are, I'm sure they're interested in modifying temperatures and knowing they can control that and knowing that they can produce ice if they need to, or produce per, rain if they need to, or remove it if they need to. I think they would love to know that they can do all, there's all sorts of experiments that they're running like on the earth as their laboratory. But I think it's, it's strictly for warfare. And like I said, it's strictly for controlling our own population in the same way you would control theirs. You starve them, you make their lives miserable on the outside, and you force them into different places by making the external environment unsupportable. And you create pockets in your own country where you think you're going to do this over there. We're going to make we're going to fucking rein you out. That's what they tried to do with the Vietnamese. So why wouldn't they do it to our own population? I think we agree. I think we agree. Okay. That that's, that's um, I guess you've answered two of my questions that I haven't asked here. So one was, you said that their intention that their intention is not to solve climate change or to solve any the intention is, as you said, warfare and population control. And then I asked you to ex expand on population control. So you've already answered these two. I guess what I'm wondering is like what 
No, I kind of feel like I know what you would say. We've had this discussion before with Andy and Kenny. What, what would population control? Where, whose population? And I think we even touched with touched it with Jess. Like, where, who would be the ones to be surviving or let to live? And those would be the elites, and people who are poor would basically be the ones that would be wiped out. But genocide, as in like Nazi genocide isn't going to be looked at favorably. So if it's by whether modification, starving people out and blame it on natural forces, people's germs, or people's bacteria, or people died for whatever other external reasons, then it's uncon- unforeseeable variables, according quote, unquote, um, that contributed to people's being wiped out or population has been reduced in certain areas because of such pressures um, is what I suppose you are saying, Andy, and not what this, the dimming documentary uh, is saying. I don't know, but within like the eugenicist or population control, population control to me, like it doesn't just include killing off portions of the population potentially, but it also includes like in the United States, creating, you know, pharmaceutical dependency. It all it it, it involves. Uh, I mean, the example we talked about last time, where you um, poison people with aluminum, right? And then you're like, oh, everybody's getting sick from aluminum. Now we have this aluminum resistant <laughs> crop here. Buy it from us, right? And then it feeds into that. So to me, it's more like, you know, I mean, obviously, ruling class benefits massively from a sick. Um, struggling, you know, um, group of plebs. That's what I meant by population control. Is I think that 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 term has been used as like killing people off, but I I, I really mean control of the populace. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I do think they like some of these experiments and patents, like especially in in terms of like mainstream warfare, like they do also want to be able to, and I think can, you know, c- create like. Okay, we'll just burn this town out or whatever. Like, well, like I think it includes that too. But. So all the stuff about smart cities that we've learned, um, I mean, connected to drought, connected to fires in California. I mean, they were doing that here, and and they actually talked to a a, a person who was a climber in Yosemite, and now Yosemite's been burned itself out recently, right? This ha- and this was this film film came out before the fires of Yosemite that happened recently. Um, and so uh, if you were going to try to force people into the cities and get them out of the countryside, and I also agree, have people sick. I always just think in terms of these people know that they're going to be screwing us over and that the history of screwing people over like this on this scale leads to revolutions. will just make people really sick, make people really afraid, make people really atomized and you and control where they go. I mean, even our... <laughs> like our so-called leader, right? Of the, I mean, on, on, in the public eye clearly has dementia, right? And even on that level, it makes a puppet like that, that much easier for his handlers to control. Yeah. Very cruel. So that this documentary really is arguing though, that climate change as the mainstream knows it, isn't climate change that they're speaking to. Is that like 
I feel as if the documentary is arguing for something else and you are in or anyone else here might be in agreement with Andy. I, I guess I'm just trying to figure this out, but like you are arguing, Andy, that it's not about the documentary did not look at this as in population control and warfare use of this geoengineering, but rather it is looking at it as in climate change is just something that is beyond just CO2 gases. Yeah. Well, I put it, maybe I'll put it this simply and just to see if I get this right. I'm going to call myself right now a climate change denier, that which is going to put me in a particular place now, right? These people who made this documentary have enough problems with chemtrails. <laughs> if they called, if they were also climate change deniers and chemtrail people, I think they'd really be in trouble. I, I, I don't think that's the calculation they've made. So no, I think they're very much in the mainstream of a liberal position of climate change is real. It's created by CO2, but, but they've, but they've really gone after this government plan that is, a, and they describe it like a Manhattan project. And I think they're accurate to describe it that way. Um, uh, as a, and, and trying to say, don't do this because it's making the problem worse and it's killing us. Yeah. I mean, even like, what's the, what's the filmmaker's name or the narrator? Dane Wigging. Wit. Dane Wigington. Yeah, I mean, Dane Wigington, like, at the end of the film, right, like, there's the little personal section where he talks about, like, his previous career in scuba diving and, like, teaching, I don't know, something with scuba. And, yeah, I mean, to me, it's coming from, like, a really, I mean, it's, like, a very wholesome, at least on the surface, position of, like, Let's talk about the importance of plankton and let's talk about the insect populations collapsing and let's talk about um, just the health of the ecosystem and humans obviously included in that, right? Um, But yeah, there's like a big chunk of the story missing with that, right? Like some of the somewhat darker. So I, I don't think it's like incompatible with these analyses that we're bringing to the table like i mean i yeah i think the plankton are incredibly incredibly important and the bees and all of this um but there's a lot more going on than the documentary would have you looking into and and the documentary does give evidence of that i think they mention uh the military use of this stuff that's it um so that's it's there Climate engineering is the crown jewel of the military industrial complex. Climate engineering has been used to destabilize and topple nations all over the globe, facilitating military occupations by hostile countries like the US. They have a massive like trove of documents. I mean, I showed the patents, but on their website, because like that, I, I think you asked that question earlier, Kenny, of like, well, like, what are they citing? And like, that was, that was always my question along with it too. And so I was, as I was watching, like I was on geoengineering watch, like kind of checking out what's on there. Um, and there's definitely, I mean, if you were wanting to do real like investigative work, like there's definitely a lot on there that I think would speak to some of the stuff that we're bringing up, but um, maybe that's not their intended audience. I don't know. I mean, I think they're just kind of trying to like raise the alarm among people who care about the environment and who care about human health, which maybe it's not a bad starting point. I don't know. Go ahead, Ken. I just, I see this documentary as, uh, you know, an attempt to say, you know, this is 
I, maybe I'm exaggerating, but this is the most important issue. Um, and to me, it's in one more issue <laughs> of everything, but it is still connected by that, uh, the weaponization of these uh, research um, experiments that is being carried out. Um, you know, I don't think how, I don't, I don't know how well refined these technologies are, you know, but they're definitely happening to me. There is no doubt that, you know, that there is experiments, you know, because again, it plays into the narrative that I sell, <laughs> you know, which is com anarchic competition, right? That it, because in the documentary, they mentioned at one point that, all, all the governments in the world are in it. I think they make that claim are in it together. They're co cooperating in this and that. There, there might be some truth to that. You know, like we keep hearing that in, on the tech stuff, right? Like there is some truth to that. But the point of view where I look at this from is that there is a search for dominance, right? There is a race for dominance, a constant race for dominance in this system. And whoever has the most little stuff you know whoever has the biggest hammer you know has a chance of dominating and and, and they they don't give a shit about the future they will run this shit until it burns but they want to be the last one on top the last one to sink with the ship um so the, the, uh, so i agree with Lipson, you know like and it's taking me some time to untangle this uh, the narrative of um the the climate change you know narrative you know and how it's being co-opted and, and and just like the nuclear fucking narrative now <laughs> it's being co-opted now you know it's now in everyone's mouth and now it's in it, 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 it's in it, it's that in itself is a tool just like all these technologies for dominating the world and so you know i like to think of george carlin you know his comedy i don't know if you where he says, fuck these liberals, elite liberals trying to, you know, save the world, save the world. The world is going to be okay. We're going to be fucked. You know, like, and so I think that's what's at stake. You know, uh, shit changes in the world. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell with complete certainty that there's nothing happening. I think there is a lot of things adding up happening that will produce, you know, and, and they're on top of it. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the people who want to rule the world uh, want to be on top of it. And they will, they're, they're prepared to sacrifice whatever the fuck they have to in order to amass those tools of dominance, you know, over the world where, where there is narratives, where there is cloud seeding, where is mRNA technology, where there is AI, facial recognition. And, and so this is one more element of that anarchic competition that leads us over the fucking cliff, you know, and, and that where we have very little control of. Um, and so this documentary attempts to, again, do that sort of egging people on, you know, uh, you know, this is the most like, uh, and, and I'm not saying it's not what I'm saying is this, this is just one thing <laughs> of the many that they're willing to employ, you know, in, in order to, you know, maintain their hegemony in the world. And we are the most violent, you know, at the epicenter of the most violent empire in and biggest with the biggest reach in the history of the world. And so, yes, you know, this shit will have consequences. A lot of these, there is always, you know, side effects. I do think the magic is in that 
you know, and that's maybe what my explanation, a little bit of why they didn't have a lot of people talking about what they feel, is that I feel that you can talk to people and sometimes people get so overwhelmed with all this negative shit that is happening when you give them an explanation. But that's the point. You know, it, it's not like people don't know something is wrong. But but it's like they rather not look up, you know, because it's so fucking hard, you know, and, and it's fucking depressing. But you t- I, you talk to random people, they fucking know something is wrong. I mean, they might have a piece of the, of the puzzle, but doing what we do, which is diving into all this shit, it, 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 it's, it's a hard thing to do, you know, and so... That's why the I think the documentarians, uh, you know, chose to not talk about climate, you know, like this uh, the narrative of climate change, you know, to not engage in that because I think when you dump a lot of things on people, when you put all the pieces together, most people just feel like they're running and they rather fucking hide again. At least that's just my experience. Um, and so, but at the same time, it's like. That's why for me, it's the, it's the same thing I tell Alice or I, I think about when Alison talks to us. I don't give a shit about all the details. You know, my partner told me that, that the other day in a way. Um, she's like, um, people try different ways. People are, are trying in their own different ways, you know, and it, it's not like people are complete idiots or, you know, they don't want to know. It's just so fucking daunting. You know, and I'm not saying this to like demoralize people because I will keep talking about this shit, you know. And, and then my partner today asked me about this documentary. So why do these people, you know, the the, the Air Force uh, veterans, you know, the the Minister of Defense of Canada, the cabinet member of, of, of um, you know, the George Bush administration that spoke on this, on this um, documentary, why do they speak up? And I'm like... I guess if you keep talking about something, some other people might think that it's also important, you know? And so, and they will probably be crazy and and call crazy, you know? But that's that's really all we have to do at the moment, you know, to keep talking about all these things because it's not just one thing. You know, just like I'm not just gonna adhere to the climate change narrative, to this and that. I will listen to the people that would talk about climate change but I will try to expose them and connect the dots because for me, the important part is like all these maniacs ruling our lives, they're willing to burn us. They're willing to, you know, poison us. They're willing to, to, to you know, break us down mentally. They already break us down spiritually. And so they're willing to do whatever it is. And, and so again, I just take this as one more, one part of the many things that they're willing to do. I think I, I'm glad you said that, Kenny, because I think it got me thinking, because I think there's, first of all, I think the Dane Wigington and the people here are sincere, are sincerely concerned about the climate. They are not putting it aside because they don't want to like overwhelm people. Um, That's number one. Um, Number two, the thing I wrote down when I wrote down one of the things I didn't disagree, that I disagreed with is the framework of everyone who spoke here was if people only knew, if people only knew, then this fucking shit would like we then we could do something. And that's not true. Um, the problem is and like you said, it, it is important. This is a very important information. And they weren't I don't think they were just trying to oversell it, because one thing I listened to they, they two people said at different times, they said short of nuclear war, 
this is the thing that's going to take the take make it impossible for humans. And so that's to me, that's showing like a kind of a restraint in some ways. They're going like, okay, that's the one that could get us really in the short term. But if we can if we can get through the nuclear war, you know, hurdle, then it looks like this is the one that's going to make it un unhabitable for humans, you know. And so I get it, and I and so I I think I, I took everything they were saying as sincere, but they were sincere reformists, and I don't, I know that's a bad word sometimes in our group, but I just mean they're sincere reformists. I don't think they've fully come to the grips with the level of revolutionary change that is going to be required to make all this stuff go like, and I think you, we are on this show are starting to who all many of us, I think even Eduardo himself would call themselves revolutionaries. I think all of us have gone farther than in our own minds, how much change is going to have to happen to really solve these problems. And we're knowing that we need a revolution. Um, that is the part that, cause I think they think that if people were informed that you could use the actual institutions to make the change. and that's just not true. It, so much is going to have to be taken down and restarted. And there's just going to have to be massive change on a level that I don't think even I can fully appreciate, but I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Um, but I, that's where I think they, they lose is thinking that it's just an information problem and it isn't. And, and the biggest level of despair for people is not what's all the things that are wrong. It's like, well, what do we do? How do I stop these people? How do I stop these institutions that are doing all this? And as we talked, Eduardo, in the last Workers and Students for Choice meeting, that was one of the conversations we had was like, we are struggling to have freedom groups meet to set an agenda to, you know, like figure some very simple things out. I'm not being, but that's just where we are as a level of organization. And it's, um, and then the unions are like going in the wrong direction. So much of the organized workforce is actually being redirected into a place that has nothing to do with anything that's getting us anywhere. They're organized, but they're just being headed off in a, in a direction that's not going to challenge anything. So the, the amount of learning we have to do uh, in terms of how we're going to self-organize is immense to me. And that's what I think is, is the thing that they're, they're not quite like, that's what the, that's what we really have to learn is how do we actually get control of our own lives as collectively? Um, because we're so far away from that. Just, I wanted to maybe uh, just indulge me here for a bit. Maybe I'm just trying to desalgar um, me, to release. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> all four of us have organized in some way or another, whether it, Jess is organized, she's organized before what's left. She's been doing her own thing. Kenny has done things that he shared. We've all done some level. I have found it incredibly challenging as I try to organize familias here in the mission district to, to take a lot of restrictions to get back to where we were at and beyond that. Like, I don't just want us to get to nice, nice little, you know, anti-Thanksgiving events where we just sort of become... Uh, informed and illuminated by like you know it's beyond that I want us to do more than that I'd like us to take over the school that's what I'd like for us to do <laughs> you know occupy that school but what I'm just trying to like get familias to get together and communicate and a lot of it falls on me I feel like the struggle of just trying to get people together to 
focus on one goal and just communicate. Get them at the at the site. People have learned just to be at home. Oh, we'll just do Zoom. I don't want to be Zoom. Let's get together at the school yard or outside the fence. That stuff is so, oh, I just want to express that it's been my week just trying to get people together and then meeting at a certain time where everybody's got crazy schedules and just trying to figure that out is just the challenge of organizing. I know everyone's experienced that. I'm just really present to that this week. In the midst of Dia de Muertos and Halloween and all of that, trying to have everybody do what they want for their kids and then those who don't want to even join into that. But, so I find just the nature of organizing is going to be a daily struggle in all of that. Yeah. That's what I just wanted to share and present too. That it's not related to what we're talking. Let's get back to geoengineering. No, it, it is. <laughs> I think it's related because I, I mean, the chemtrails issue for me is one of the issues that really does have that like harrowing effect. Like when I think about it for too long or I like, I'm too, you know, I'm reading about it or watching this documentary. Like I physically feel overwhelmed in a way that's not dissimilar to that overwhelm of overwhelm of feeling like you're just pouring all of your energy and efforts into organizing for like a completely righteous logical cause. And like, people just aren't, like, they won't even show up to a fucking meeting. They won't even answer like an email or just simple things. Um, so I, I mean, I definitely share the critiques of this film that are coming up. Um, but I also think like, it's the same with a lot of like documentaries that are kind of trying to whatever, like red pill people, like whether it's on the junk food industry or social media addiction or whatever. Right. Um, even really mainstream ones. Like, I don't know. There's something about that genre, especially in the internet age where like they just kind of have to simplify and like, it's, I guess it's like an audience awareness thing, but I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if it, like for some, for some people, it, maybe it is that like call to, you know, raise the alarm, right. Is like triggering, you know, a series of events that gets them legitimately down the path to revolution, whatever that is. Um, and then for other people, like it just falls short and like, it's just not enough of the puzzle pieces. So. I don't know. Now I'm just going into like literary analysis mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think it falls short because I think they've they've given up on the idea that that level of change is either possible. Like, I don't fault them. I mean, why? It's kind of crazy. I, I don't think we're going to do it. I actually, I was talking to a guy at this meeting of the Wisdom Warriors uh, this weekend. I mean, no, it was where I was at this Tuesday, Tuesday. And we were both like, shit man like the level of the attack is big and he was talking about a sense of like urgency time-wise and i was like i said i feel like we got to let that go like we just have to do what we're going to do because let's be honest we're going to lose like the likelihood is we're going to lose like this we're going to go down in flames i'd rather fight this and going down in flames but that's what i think is more likely um and it's what came out of that meeting though 
was a, a debate. In doing the organizing we're doing, are we going to do this by passing around a sign-up sheet? Or are we going to do this by putting out a, a Excel spreadsheet and try to get more names? And it, that was the level, like, and we actually got it to the point where people understood, no, we got to spread a spreadsheet. We're going to pass around a, a sheet. And the numbers that we get on the sheet, we're going to, like, if I see people who are also want to organize around education, I'm going to call those people because I know who you are. I met you and I met you. And then we're going to see if we want to do something. And people, like, we literally debated that, that notion. And I think that's necessary. And I personally am taking sides. I'm for the spreadsheet. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm for the on-paper sheet. And I'm against, and not just because Excel can be surveilled. It's because people were saying, no, we get more names here on this spreadsheet over here. I'm like, there's zero names there. The only names that exist are people at this meeting who put their name right here, who said, call me because I'm interested in organizing to get out of institutional education and to do my own like freedom education. You know, those are the people who can, who can be organized. These people over here literally don't exist. Um, and they're like a lot of names, but they, they're, they're gone. They don't exist because you can't organize people on online. You can only organize people you see that you talk to on the phone. You say, oh, let's go meet at a cafe and talk about this. That's what organizing is. And, and I, and what I mean though, is people are going to have to see people as the resources towards transforming their own reality. And we don't see it that way. Well, you're not very accessible in your organizing, Andy. Yeah. Somebody called me on one of those, like, um, they were like, uh, cam canvassing or whatever, phone banking for, um, a goober. Get out the vote. Yeah. Today. <laughs> I was like in my office. I was like, shut the door. And I was like, I think this is an energy harvest. And the guy goes, what i don't know why i had to say it in like the most hippie way of all time <laughs> i was like i think this is an energy harvest like there's so so many other political actions that have so much greater effect on not just me but like my community he's like what do you mean like <laughs> and, I, and i like reeled off like you know i was like okay well what if i like grow tomatoes and then i like share them with my neighbors and then they they give me some of their mushrooms like Mutual aid, uh, resource sharing, mental health support. I'm teaching free yoga. Like, <laughs> I mean, these are just like tiny examples, but it just, no. It's like, but you have to check this box once a year. <laughs> and that's it. That's, you know, it's just, eh, I don't, we're going to lose. <laughs> You're right, Andy. <laughs> but then there's also like the the direct action sort of I don't know like part of me is like if you, if we really want revolution like if if we truly were committed you know by any means necessary we should not be arguing over like paper versus excel sheet I'm not I'm not criticizing you at all but you know like they asked um Cory Morningstar uh, I think I brought her up last week too. I love her. She's so great. Um, and she's so like, if you ever listen to an interview with her, like she's super like love and light vibes, like just like the sweetest lady ever. And I was listening to an interview way back when I think it was in the middle of COVID and at the end, you know, they're like, well, what, like, what do you, what do you recommend listeners like do like what action should you take? 
And she like thought for a minute and she goes like, well, if I were a young person today and I was becoming aware of all this stuff, I would go to school or go to a training program and I would learn um, demolition. And that was that. And she was dead serious. She was like, that's what people should be doing. They should be blowing up 5G towers. And like, I don't know how you would blow up the chemtrail planes or whatever, but she's not wrong. I don't know. Oh well, my goodness. Sorry, I took the train off the train. No, no, no. And no, no. I think it's right. I love this this whole notion of you know energy har- harvest. You know, because like uh, you know, earlier I, I guess I said it off camera that I'm I'm struggling to, you know with getting back into this hyper drive of knowledge and reading and researching. Uh, because I've been doing stuff in my house or the house, you know, that we're gonna live in with my partner. And I enjoy that, you know, that's, I'm enjoying that. And, and then like, I, I see how my in-laws, their family, you know, they help each other uh, fix a roof. They don't ever pay for things. They know how to put a uh, floor on something. They know how to fix, you know, pipes. And so I want to be part of that, you know, because I, I'm sort of, moving on from the militant uh, we have to organize we have to indoctrinate people you know and i'm at the moment this is i guess my new face uh you know trying to live a life right I, 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 the best life i can live you know with my, my same principles uh because that militancy has exhausted me you know and and and, and i've learned a lot but for me at the moment, it comes down to, I still have a limited amount of energy. And so I, I can only live the best life that I can and, and the best life, and I will live the best life I can as a revolutionary in the sense that I'll, I'll try to fight them hard every day to live in my way, you know, to be as free as I can in this system, knowing very well that I'm not, you know, and, and that it will take other people. You know, but to me, it's like if there is no joy, if your energy, you cannot, rep- your energy will get exhausted. You know, so that that energy has to be maintained in community. That's why I'm a goddamn communist, because I think it's so important. You know, we've talked about building alternative communities, and and, and that that's the other thing for me. It's like there is no isolation. You can go for a little while, but it will catch up to you. You know, they will rain some fucking chemtrail on your ass you know, and destroy your, your harvest, you know, Eduardo, <laughs> you know, and, and so it cannot be hidden in the shadows, you know, you cannot fight in the shadows, like, yeah, some, you know, some point is tactical, but it has, you have to live life and, and live a better life, you know, and fight, you know, hard out in the open, that's what I speak up, at least that's how I see it now, you know, so I'm not abandoning the fight, I'm just, trying to protect my energy and living by example, you know, because that the organizing part, the, you know, the get, trying to get other people on board, it's exhausted me, it's taught me lessons, but I'm, I'm not so sure it's for me right now, you know, and, and, and I know it's important still, but the, the most important part for me at the moment is to, you know, put my energy into, taking control right of those little things that 
are about life. In, in I don't know if I make sense, but um, because again, like I, that's why I bring up, I brought up my argument about people know something's wrong. I know so many powerful people. They know their fucking job is shit. They know their bosses don't know shit. You know, they hate unions. And rightly so. You know, they're not wrong. But 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 you know what? And, and they'd rather go back to their hole because yes, we are atomized. There is no community. Our, our sense of community and actually, you know, having bonds with people is very limited and it's getting disintegrated every day. And, and so for me, that's the important part. It's not just like accusing someone, you know, of being ignorant or not knowing enough about something. It's about creating those bonds, you know, and th that trust, you know, of everyday life, not just political life, because for me, it's all entangled. You can't separate them. Eduardo, you want to come in? I was I was going to say something, but I want to see if you have something to say. I, I think, well, I mean, I, I think we're going off the rails here or trails however what's the english word help me just you're an english major you're off the rails is right off the off. contrails off. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and i don't have much to add to this i think i, I if we're done with geoengineering at some point let me know well, i had some stamped uh video. i wish we were done with it <laughs> i would say <laughs> yes I would say it's not off the rails. Jesus. Um, so good, Jess. I wish we were done with it, she said. I'm just here for the comic relief. You guys So I would say we're not off the rails just because the one area that is weak, that this is probably the area that is least discussed and the least, which is, I know, Kenny, you said it in terms of organizing, but all I mean is, how are going how are people going to learn to associate and come together around the kinds of things they want so what i'm going to go back to this meeting that i was at there was a woman who had been part of the luminaries who had done who in the co context of covid there, she could not go to any health place but she was had health issues but she could not go to any health place so she had to figure out in that time how she could build kind of a health network around her. She had to do that because she was, because she was like, her health was struggling. And what she said was, and she said it in connection with another woman who had gone to Britain and this person had given us presentation and basically said, look, we're going to have to build alternative institutions. And he created like, I think I have a list right here. You know, he kind of created a general list of, of areas that, you know, you might want to create alternative institutions in you know, including governance, health, justice, infrastructure, uh, spirituality, economics, education, environment, you know, um, we added food and shelter to that, you know, kind of thing. But all this person was saying when they came to the meeting was, does anybody want to organize in any one of those areas? And if you do, would you like to find some people who also want to do that kind of stuff and start to build something in that area? And the area that came to mind for me and all that, I care about a lot of those things, was education, because I'm tired of being in institutional education. I would like to experience education and teaching and learning in a free environment. I actually want that in the same way that woman wanted to find health. So I'm looking to find like, this isn't my, you know, 
this is the thing I'm interested in now. Like this is what would give meaning to my work, which is part of my life would be to find that. And so what, when she passed around that paper sheet, I'm like, please pass it around. Cause I'm going to put my name on it and I'm going to put education as a sector I want to. And I'm going to look for other people who put their name on that. I'm going to call them. And there was a debate about whether that was worth doing in the meeting. Because other people were saying, can't we just create a, we could get a bigger group. If we could just put an Excel spreadsheet, we send it out to a bunch of people. Da, 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 da. But I'm like, no, because there's nothing there. It's like, I know these people who are here. I've met them. I can call them this week and say, hey, I, I saw at the Wisdom Warriors meeting. Would you like to get coffee? Would you like to talk on the phone about what your vision of education is? And I can meet them and get to, and get to know whether we can work together or not. So did you win that, the argument? We it, it well, and let me tell you why we won it was not because I said something, because that woman who was saying that was insistent on like, no, let's just pass the sheet around because other people were bashing her, bashing the idea. They were pushing back hard. Like, how do we like this is too small. This is too. Da, 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 da. And I was like, no, this is not small. This is what she's saying, something very simple. But it's actually, in my in my opinion, it was profound at the time, and and I think I helped shift us by supporting her statement and then putting my name and saying this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm, and I have a name of a person who I'm going to call right here. We're not going to show like and they, <laughs> you know, um, but the and they and they know Brandy, and like this is another thing is like. Brandy is becoming like an organizer as my wife with me, me as her husband. And we're doing the same kinds of stuff. Like it's part of our lives now. Like that's why I'm not an activist, but I will say I'm an organizer. Like I'm trying to figure out how to get people together to build some of these alternatives. And I'm trying to learn how to do that because I don't know how, I don't know how to do it. I've never done it. So that's, that's, and that's the thing that I think is missing from these documentaries is what lessons do they have to give us about doing that? Because I think they, they're they kind of hoping that we can keep the same system intact and solve the problem. And they're, they're, they're hopelessly wrong about that. Yeah, I think they say in the, in the documentary, like, you know, if we could just get more people aware, right, then like somehow it's just going to transform you know, like a petition or something. Like if we just get like a hundred thousand signatures instead of, you know, 50. Yeah. And it, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely, I think reformist is the correct word as you put it, Andy. But that's very valuable information and definitely something that gives me even uh, continues to develop that sense of urgency and the sense of, man, these people at the top are awful. They're awful. Like they're just doing all sorts of criminality stuff on, on so many different levels. Cause I, I'm getting pissed about COVID over here and data mining and, and, all, and I wasn't even thinking about all this stuff that's happening up there. And it's a whole, they, they, they they've got full spectrum dominance. It, you know, they're, they're attempting to. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing too, is like the sort of side effects of doing the kind of organizing that you're talking about, like basically beginning to create alternative systems and alternative communities is that when you do that, um, I mean, obviously it's still not going to protect you completely from whatever's raining down on you, but 
just as like a inherent part of that, you do naturally encounter, you know, your, your, whatever, whether it's food, like you're, you're growing your own stuff, right? There's going to be less, there's going to be less aluminum and less pesticides on that stuff, right? Like just as an example, and it's the same thing, you know, with, with whatever, like any way that you can just pull out of that, like, and stop, I don't know, stop like buying industrial shit and going to industrial doctors and just, you know, everything within the system. Um, so it's almost like a, it's built in, right? Like a certain level of defense. What you're describing is the biggest evidence you can give. I mean, like trying to just doing things, you know, and living your life. And yeah. yeah. All right. I won't blow anything up this weekend. <laughs> I had no idea that we had invited this sort of person onto our show, Eduardo. I think it's, I think we have now no chance of staying on YouTube. It's officially over. All right. Well, where do we go from here? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Do we, you're done? Watch the dimming folks. It's worth watching. Yeah. And then I'm going to report back. I was telling these guys, I just got this in from the library. It's like 600 page. This is the book I was talking about last um, last step. Say the title again. We can't quite. Chemtrails Exposed: A New Manhattan Project by Peter Kirby. Um, and I watched a few inter interviews with him in prep for last week, and I thought it was really uh, valuable information. So I'm looking forward to digging into it. It's going to be a nice bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast, a channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests in the episodes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webinar.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes where we found this episode. If you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Rodka with co-hosts Jessica, Kenny Cepeda, and Andy Lipson. And you can find our social media handles, sorry, at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZeptiKE and, and on Instagram and Jess's Twitter handle as jhomie89. Uh, and that does it. Thank you.